How many of you fathers would be honest enough to admit that it uh, didn't take you um, maybe too long into being a father that you realized that you didn't know nearly as much about being a dad as you thought you did? You know, I want to be honest about that. Yeah, you know, sometimes we, you know, when we become a father, we think we want to be cool, and things that sometimes we think are cool as dads um, really turn out maybe not to be as cool as we thought they were. I think here is one father that uh, thought that and maybe uh, was wrong. Throw that video. I love this. Play this for me. you moms ago, that's one dad that's in trouble, baby, when mom sees that video, yeah, yeah, I, I saw that, I saw that on Facebook, I just cracked up laughing, I thought, now that's the kind of thing that a father would think, now that's really cool, and uh, moms have a different opinion about such things, so uh, we just got to admit that maybe we don't know as much as we think we know, which is a great uh, setup for what we want to talk about today, we're continuing in this series called Simon Says, and we've been looking at the life of Simon Peter, and some of the things that uh, happened for Simon Peter that uh, were great lessons for us and our own journey of faith. Uh, last week, Pastor Will talked about the incident where Simon Peter was on the boat and Jesus was walking on the water and, and Simon Peter says, Lord, if that's really you, let me step out of the boat. And uh, man, and that story is so cool because Peter actually walks on water for a few steps. And when you think about it, Peter had a lot of really uh, incredible things that happened to him in his journey with Jesus. I mean, think about the miracles that he saw. Uh, think about uh, the time he got to be up on the Mount of Transfiguration when, when Jesus was transfigured before him and, and all of that. Think about when Jesus sent the disciples out for the first time in by twos and, and uh, you know, put his power upon them and they were able to heal people. And they did all of these things. Now, stay with me on this. And one of the things that I think that happens for us when we, when we experience a lot of those kinds of things is that sometimes on the way, we forget that this is about God and not about us. Amen? And, and I think well, as we talk today about Simon Peter, what we're going to discover is it's, it's really easy in this journey of faith to, to reach a point where we kind of think, you know what, I've got this from here. And, uh, and, and pride begins to slip in, and, and maybe we get a little bit of a big head. Now, come on, it's just, it's just us today. How many of you would be honest enough to admit that there have been times that pride has gotten the best of you? Anybody want to confess that? Sure. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's, um, let's do a little group therapy this morning. 
I know uh, we're social distancing and aren't too close to people, but most of us are at least in shouting distance. I want you to just turn to somebody close to you and just say, don't get a big head. Yeah, now say that back to them. Say the same thing to them. Don't get a big head. <coughs> because here's the deal. Uh, God, is, God is, a, is a God who loves to bless us, but along the way, we got to keep reminding ourselves that this journey is about him and it's not about us. Let's look at the text of Scripture. Matthew chapter 26, beginning of verse 31. Um, if you grew up around the church, this will be a story that will be familiar to, to many of you. This is at the end of Jesus' ministry, just before he was arrested and crucified. It says, on the way, Jesus told them, tonight, all of you will do what? You'll desert me. Now, can you imagine for these disciples who have walked with him for three years, how this hit them. You will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you into Galilee and I will meet you there. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. Now, I want you to just kind of grasp what's happened for Peter. After he's been on this journey for three years and he's seen all of these things, he can't even begin to imagine that he is capable of such thing. But he was. Because pride has this incredible way of slipping in. Now, pride has a, a little bit of an intoxicating effect and can do several things for us. You can track with me on your outline. First of all, pride, pride makes us think that we're smarter than we are. Pride has a way of making us think we're smarter than we are. Come on, how many of you are sitting next to someone who's not nearly as smart as they think they are? <laughs> yeah, somebody's got both hands up back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's just a way of doing it. It's just one of the ways pride. It's so funny. Several years ago, San Diego State University, they polled their graduates and they asked them, you know, into this new world that you're going and you're going to be employed and you're going to take your place in society. What do you think is your greatest asset that you offer? And, uh, and as they did this, and they did this survey, two of the graduates said they thought that their greatest asset was intelligence. Both of them misspelled it. Yeah, and, and that's just the way we are. You know, we're not, we're not nearly as smart as we think we are. That's why I always, I always think, what's going through the head of criminals sometimes? You know, they, 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 some of them are sitting there thinking, you know, I can beat the system. I don't have to work like everybody else. I can, I can do this. And, uh, and, and over and over again, you just have to laugh at how these people who think they're really smart aren't smart at all. Like the guy in Florida who decided he was going to rob a bank. And he was going to be really inconspicuous, and he, he was going to be really smart. He was going to go in just after 9 o'clock after the bank opened, and there wouldn't be many people there, and he wouldn't get much resistance. And, uh, but he just made a little bit of an error in his disguise, wearing the bandit uh, over his face. Throw that up on the screen for me. Yeah. <laughs> he put his bandana on backwards. Are you, are you kidding me? He puts his bandana, instead of, instead of it covering his face, it's covering the back of his head. They would never be able to identify him by the back of his head. You know, they'll never be able to do it. Of course, he's wearing a camouflage shirt and pajama bottoms, so he wasn't like he was totally inconspicuous. 
we're not really nearly as smart as we think we are. Amen? Kind of connected to that. We're not nearly, pride makes us think that we're stronger than we really are. Pride makes us think that we're stronger than we really are. And I know for a lot of us, particularly as men, you know, we want, we want people to think that we're strong, especially when we're trying to impress girls. You know, we, we, want them, we want them to think that we're strong, but the reality is, you know, we're not nearly as strong as, as we think we are. Um, great. Some of you, you may have seen this just a few months ago in Brooklyn, New York. There was a 28-year-old guy who got a little intoxicated and, and uh, decided he was, uh, he was at a, an apartment complex, and he decided he was going to, uh, to break in and, and rob somebody. He thought he could deceive him. So he knocks on the door of this woman who's 82 years old, and he tells her that he's uh, not feeling well. Uh, she comes to the door, and she's talking through the door. And she says, what do you want? He said, I'm, I'm not feeling well. I, I, I need to come in and use your phone to, to call for medical help. And she said, well, I'll call for medical help for you. And so she goes to her phone, and she's dialing 911 to call for both the, the ambulance and for the police because she doesn't trust this guy. All of a sudden, from the other room, she hears this guy kick her door in. And this guy, this 28-year-old, comes bashing through her door to basically rob this 82-year-old woman. But this guy didn't know who he was messing with. Throw that picture up here on the screen. That's Willie. <laughs> Willie is an 82-year-old power lifter who goes to the Y to work out every day. She can deadlift 225 pounds. So this guy comes into, into her apartment. She goes running into the other room. Rather than running in and locking herself in the bathroom, she comes running in, picks up a table, smashes this guy with a table, knocks him to the floor and begins to, to, to beat him with the table. Finally, a leg breaks off. She takes the table leg, starts beating with that. He starts wrestling that. He reaches over, tries to grab a broom. She throws the table leg down, grabs the broom out of his hand, and she wails away on him with the, with the broom. This guy is laying there half conscious, and, and Willie starts dragging him out of her apartment. She gets him to the door to throw him outside and the police show up and they're looking at this guy. They're dying laughing and they're going, Willie, we'll take it from here. <laughs> now here's a guy who was never happier to find himself in an ambulance, man, than at that, that, that moment. You know, he wasn't nearly as strong as he thought he was. Now I'm going to circle back to this a little bit later in my message. But the same is true as us. I think one of the great deceptions of the enemy is to make us believe that we're a lot stronger than we really are. Amen? You bet. The pride also makes us think we're better than we are. I always think this is so funny. Pride makes us think we're better, whatever it is. Um, I, I love it. If, if you've seen, if you've seen this, the, the stats, over 90% of the people who are surveyed say that they believe that they are above average drivers. Have you been out there? 90% of them aren't above average drivers. And uh, Wanda and I just got back from Baltimore being out there with our grandkids this week, and we decided people in Baltimore drive just as bad as people in Oklahoma. It's just, just the way it is. We're not nearly that good. Th th fourthly, pride makes us think that we're different from others. Pride makes us think that we're different from others. Now, you've got to love this in the, in the story with Peter, how when Jesus says, you know, you guys are going to, you're all going to deserve me, how when Peter gets into this conversation with Jesus, he, he kind of he says this. He, you know, he says, you know, even if they desert you, 
Even if all of them, it's like Jesus, like Peter's going, I know they're losers, Lord. You know, I've been around these guys and you're probably right. They're, you know, they're just, they're just a bunch of wimps. They're all good. But even, even if all of them do that, I will never do that. One of the best days of our life is when you and I come to the understanding that as much as we don't want to believe it so, we are just as human as these people who are beside us. Amen. When the Bible talks about our ability to fail, the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And when the Bible says all, how many of you think that might include you? Yeah, about a third of us. Yeah, it's about what I expected. (laughs) Point made. (laughs) Number five, pride makes us think that we are fine on our own. Pride makes us think that we are fine on our own. One of the reasons that pride is so dangerous is that pride is the original sin. You know, if you go back to the garden and you, you look at the story, you know, we, we, we read the story about Adam and Eve and we, they ate the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat, but you got to get this. It wasn't about the fruit. Do you remember what the temptation was? The enemy said, if you eat this, you will be like God. And they wanted to be like God. They wanted to do it all on their own. And, and that is the temptation for all of us, that, that we, pride makes us think, you know what, I'm, I'm smart enough, I'm strong enough, I'm, I'm experienced enough, I can do this. I, I don't, not only don't need God's help, I don't need anybody else's help. And that's exactly what happens. And then when the enemy gets us all by ourselves, that's when he wins. That's why he tries to isolate us. I, I, I told this, I shared this in a Wednesday noon devotional uh, a few weeks ago, but I, I just think it's, it's important for us to understand the difference. You know, when, when we're raising children, we teach them to be independent, don't we? Uh, you know, when children are born, we have to do everything for them. You know, we have to bathe them, we have to feed them, we have to, you know, dress them, we have to, you know, do all of that stuff for them. But as they get older, we teach them to do some of this stuff on their own. And it's always always kind of exciting for parents when kids can eat by themselves and and when they can dress themselves and when they can go to the bathroom on their own and and when they can do this. And the goal, the goal for us as parents is by the time our kids graduate from high school is that they can be independent so that they can do these things all on their own. And that's kind of how we think maturity is. But I want you to flip that around because the exact opposite is true in terms of maturity in the Christian faith. The Bible says that when we come to Christ, we are born again. But here's the deal. As as God empties us of pride, what we begin to discover is that the more mature we we become, are you ready for this? The more mature we become, the more dependent upon God we become. The more mature we become in our faith, the more we realize I can't do this by myself. I can't be who I want to be. I can't do the things I need to do, not without the help of God. That's why Jesus in John 15 said, if you will abide in me and my word will abide in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do, say it again, nothing, nothing. Don't get the big head. 
Well, I want to I go back to this story for just a second. And I, I want to just pull out a, a couple of thoughts that I, that I hope will really help you today as you have to deal with this temptation toward pride. Are you ready? Here's, here's a few lessons that we learn from Simon Peter. First one is this. We tend to overestimate our ability without God, and we underestimate our ability with God. Let me say that again. We, we tend to overestimate our ability without God. We, we tend to overestimate what we can do all on our own. But we underestimate what we can do with him. In this story with, with, with Simon Peter, um, you know, this was the mistake he was making. He, he, he believed that after walking with Jesus for three years and seeing what he had seen and having done what he has done, he, he, he had this idea that, that he could do this and he could do this whether or not, you know, Jesus was around or not. He, he overestimated. And Peter made the same mistake that so many others have made before him. And that's the same mistake we make. Is that we think because we know a little Bible, we've been in church a few times, we, we, we think because we've been down and around the block once or twice with this whole religious thing that we can do this all by ourselves. And look at me, and you're wrong. You can't. And you were never meant to. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And you can go throughout Scripture and you can see person after person who tried to do this without God and they failed. I think one of the most notable is, is Samson. If you remember the story, um, Samson was raised up by God to be a, a leader and a rescuer for his people, particularly from the Philistines. And, and God entered into this covenant relationship with Samson that as long as Samson abided by this covenant relationship, God would make him super strong and he was just un, un, unbeatable. And, uh, and so Samson had all these victories. Man, he took on, you know, a thousand guys, and he was able to kill them all, and he was able to do all of this stuff. But along the way, Samson's fatal flaw was pride. And he began to believe that he was the one who was strong and that it, he didn't really think about it being the power of God that flowed through him. And the Philistines wanted to find out the secret for, for, of Samson. And so they got this woman named Delilah, if you remember the story. And, and she seduced Samson. And she finally tricked him into to giving the secret. And the secret was a part of Samson's covenant with God was that he wouldn't cut his hair. It was just a sign that this is where this, this power comes from. It was part of that covenant. And, and while Samson was asleep, Delilah cut his hair. Now, please, don't miss this. The power was not in his hair. The power was in his covenant with God. And because Samson treated this covenant with God so carelessly, because he had let pride slip in and think he could do it no matter what happened, God stepped away from him and Samson was left on his own. And, and here's what you discover. Look, look at the passage with me in Judges 16, 20. It says, then Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when Samson woke up, he thought, I will do as before and I will shake myself free. It's going to be like every other time. Read it out loud with me. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. That is a haunting statement. Now look at me. I just want you to hear my heart. And that is so true for us. It's, it's a fact that sometimes in our journey of faith, we, we begin to drift away from God. And we try to do this stuff all on our own. 
until one day we wake up and we make this horrible discovery that the power and the presence of God isn't there like it used to be. We overestimate what we can do without God. Now, let me flip that around because I have to tell you, I, I think the other, half, the other part of that is just as true, and that is we underestimate what we can do with God. I'm, I, I'm, all, I'm just always so amazed how um, I'll have people who will talk to me about this, whatever it is that they feel like God is nudging them to do. And you know, they'll say, you know what, Pastor Steve, I, I just keep feeling like God's talking to me about, about you know, leading a small group or teaching a class or, or starting this new ministry. And, and yet, as they say it, they'll go, you know what, I, I don't think I can do that. I just don't think I can do that. Now look at me. Of course you can't. God doesn't call you because you're all of that. God calls you because he's all of that. Amen? You see, this was, this was the whole thing, whether it's Samson or Peter or you or I. It's not about the fact that, that God is just calling us to do something. It's about the fact that the Spirit of God goes through us. That's what Peter discovered, even after this horrible failure that he had when he did deny Jesus. And he went through all of this, and Jesus embraced him again with his arms of grace. What's so cool is to find, you know, like a few months, about a month and a half later, on the day of Pentecost, when, when the Holy Spirit comes and Peter gets up, this guy who was afraid to to even say that he knew Jesus, got up in front of all these people and preached. And when he did, you know what happened? 3,000 people got saved. You see, without God, Peter was nothing. Oh, but with him, he could do whatever Jesus asked. Amen. And so can you. I love one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the New Testament. I know many of you love this verse as well. It's in Philippians 4.13. Would you quote it? Would you read it out loud with me, please? For I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. There's a second lesson from this, this story that I, I think we need to pay attention to as well. And that is to listen to the warnings of God. Listen to the warnings of God. Now, Father's Day, we talk sometimes about parenting, that kind of stuff. How many of you as parents have ever warned your children about certain dangers that you see ahead of them? How many of you have ever done that? Yeah. Your kids tell you about something that they're thinking about doing or a decision they're about to make, and, and you warn them. Now, just, just a question, but here, here it is. Why do you warn them? Do you, do you not want them to have fun? Do you not want them to experience life? Do you not want them to enjoy yourself? Well, why do you warn your children? Tell me. You love them. Say that with me. We love them. And that's the same reason that God warns us. In this story, don't you find it interesting that Jesus didn't have to tell Peter, but he does. He says, Peter, you, you, when Peter starts saying, I'm not going to do it, Peter says, Jesus says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times, man. Not just once, not just twice, but three times. Before the rooster crows, three times. Jesus warns Peter in advance. 
And that Peter still wasn't prepared. Why? Because he didn't believe the warning. Just like sometimes our kids ignore us. And it's like we ignored our parents. And and sometimes the same thing. We ignore the warnings of God. When God warns us through his Holy Spirit, when when he warns us and and speaks to us through his Holy Spirit, you know what? It's about because he loves us. When when you're reading God's word and something jumps out at you and you, you feel a prick in your heart and you know God's talking to you about a particular thing in your life, guess what? That's God. God warning you. Amen. I love Nehemiah 9, verse 30. I, I thought it was it, it's such an indictive verse, but it's true for a lot of us. He says, in your love, you were patient with them for many years. Read it with me. You sent your spirit who warned them through the prophets, but still they wouldn't listen. Listen to the warnings of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, listen to the warnings of of your own past failures. Listen to the warnings of your own past failures. Come on, gang, again, this is church. This this is a great place to confess. How many of you be honest enough to admit you've really messed up sometimes? Yeah, come on. This one's going to get a little harder. How many of you be honest enough to admit you've made the same mistake a few times? Yeah. You see, sometimes life isn't as much a test of spirituality as it is a test of intelligence. Because the definition of insanity is doing the same wrong thing and expecting different results. Amen? And, 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 this, and this is part of what, when, when we think about how does God speak to us, sometimes we, we, you know, we fail and we say, God, why did you let me fail? And God says, you know what? This is how you learn. Why did you fail? How did you mess up? Why did that happen? Because as you explore that, you learn things about yourself. <coughs> I thought such a telling story. Uh, yeah, 2016, a woman named uh, Madalina Taylor, 41-year-old from Virginia, uh, parked her SUV uh, in Wyoming at, uh, at, this, at Jim Mountain where there was a, a trailhead that she was going to hike in that little wilderness area, that, that, that wilderness area that's there. And there was a guy who saw her Parker her SUV get out, and he noticed her because she wasn't really dressed um, for someone who's going hiking in the wilderness. Uh, she seemed to be in casual wear rather than uh, prepared for the outdoors. She didn't have layers. She wasn't really prepared for changing weather, which happens, all this kind of stuff. So he just kind of stuck in his mind. He went camping in that area for three days. He came back. Her SUV was still there. So he got worried. So he called the authorities and he said, you know, I think you may have a hiker who's in trouble. And he told, there was a woman, she got out, here's what she was dressed like, I haven't seen her, her SUV's parked in the same place, I don't know where she was going, but she may be in trouble. So they did a search and rescue, and they found her. And fortunately, uh, fortunately for her, she was still alive, yeah, she was a bit dehydrated, she ended up, I think, in the hospital for a couple of days, and she was fine. But here's what blew my mind. This was the third time in three years they'd rescued that same woman at that same place. Let that sink in for a second. Third time in three years. She believed that there was a buried treasure out in that wilderness area. Three different times she came to that area to find that treasure, never prepared herself. And when I saw that, when I read the story, I thought, you know what? This is so typical. How many times does the enemy keep leading us back to those same places, believing that what you really want is just out there if you'll go looking for it? And we keep making that same mistake. Look at me. Learn from your own mistakes. Amen. Now, I'm preaching to myself as much as you, trust me. Thirdly, learn from the warnings from the lives of others. Learn from the warnings of, from the lives 
of others. Would you repeat out loud after me? I don't have to make every mistake myself. Oh, this is good group therapy. Let's do that again. I don't have to make every mistake myself. Turn to the person who's sitting beside and say, I want to learn from you. Yeah, yeah. How many of you, how many of you sitting next to somebody that really, they mess up a lot? They, they really mess up a lot. Yeah. Well, that, that's a great, because that's what you've got. You don't have to make those same mistakes. You can learn from them. And it's amazing to me how often that we don't. Again, another, another hiking story. Uh, there's a place in, in Washington called Four Mountains. Throw that picture up on the screen for me, would you? Uh, it's an area at, at Four Mountains in Washington. This uh, snow you see right here is on the north face of the mountain. And um, it's, in, it's shaded uh, throughout the year. And they get a ton of snow. And avalanches happen all the time. And so the snow builds up down at the bottom. And it never melts. It never completely melts until it starts to get snowing again the next season. What happens is down at the bottom, as, as the snow does melt a good bit, these ice cave forms. And the trails kind of go in that area. And people think those caves are really cool. And they like to explore them. Can anybody see a problem with this? This is packed snow. This is snow that melts and often shifts. This is snow that has loosened boulders and these kinds of things. And yet, time and time again, year after year, people walk by. They can't, they can't resist the temptation. Even though there are signs posted there that says, these caves will kill you. But people go all the time. And it was really, really sad. This, but, I, but it was, I thought the family, what the family did was so cool. Uh, throw the next picture up. You see a picture of inside the cave what that looks like. Now throw that next picture up. This is Grace Tam. Um, her and her family, uh, a few years back in, 2000, was it 2010? They were in that area and they didn't go in the cave. They were like 20 yards, but they got within like 20 yards of the cave. And when they did, a bunch of the snow collapsed and it loosened several boulders and one of them actually killed this 11-year-old girl. And when the family learned about how many people explored these caves and how many people were killed, they, they asked the parks, and the parks let them do this. They actually posted their daughter's picture there by that trailhead, helping people understand these warnings aren't just uh, facts and figures. These are people. Read that, that bottom paragraph. The Tam family wants you to be aware that this is beautiful, but it's an always changing environment. They hope you will enjoy the ice caves and Big Four Mountain only from what? A distance. Now, one of the things that God gives us wisdom for is not just to do our own self-examination, but to be able to look at the lives of other people and go, you know what? I don't have to make the same mistakes other people make. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul was writing about the Israelites and all of the escapades they had and how many times they failed the Lord and what happened to them as a result. I love how he says this. This is why God gave us the scriptures. Read it out loud with me. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Let me give you one more quick lesson. We learn from Simon Peter that an ounce of humility is easier to swallow than a pound of shame. 
Can you imagine how Peter felt when that rooster crowed and he remembered Jesus' words to him and he remembered his response to Jesus? Can you imagine how awful he felt? Well, you get a picture of it in Scripture, Matthew 26, 75. It said, suddenly Jesus' words flash through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. Read it out loud with me. And he went away weeping bitterly. The sad thing is it, it didn't have to be that way. Peter could have, in that encounter with Jesus, owned the fact that he wasn't as strong or as smart or as good as he thought he was. He could have admitted to Jesus that without Jesus' help, yeah, he probably would fall flat on his face. If, he, if, if Peter could have just had an ounce of humility and admitted his need for Jesus, he might have been able to avoid dealing with that kind of shame. I wonder if that's not why later when Peter was writing his own scriptures to, to letters to the churches, he, he wrote this in 1 Peter 5, 6. Read it with me. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Peter was writing that from experience. Amen. How hard is it to muster up that ounce of humility? Will you just repeat these words out loud after me? Lord, I need you. Is that so hard to say? <laughs> Rachel, come on up. Say it again. Lord, I need you. You know, sometimes we... We, we want to, to grow and we want to be that, that man of God. We want to be that woman of God. You do realize today that you can't do that on your own. Amen? You do realize that you can't do that out on your, on your, of your own strength. You, know, you don't have the, the power. You don't have the wisdom. You don't have the ability to do that. But Christ will help you. So if you really want to be a man or woman of God, what do we need to say? Say it again with me, church. Lord, I need you. But sometimes we, we get like that in our, our marriage. And we, you know, I want to be the husband I need to be. I want to be the father I need to be. I need to want to be the wife or the mother that I need to be. But Psalms tells us that unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. And so if your home needs help, if, if you're struggling in your marriage, if you're struggling with your kids, it's not just a little more education. You need it's, it's also a little more of God. And so our prayer ought to be what? Let's say that phrase again together. Lord, I need you. There may be some of us today that, you know, maybe we thought we could do life all on our own. Maybe we thought we were good enough, smart enough, able enough. Hear my heart. You don't have to wait like Peter did until you fall flat on your face. Wisdom can sometimes spare you 
a lot of pain. And this morning, again, the way that we really lean into the power and the presence of God is through a very simple prayer. And what is that prayer? Lord, I need you. Well, I want you to make that your prayer today. Rachel's going to lead us in this song that has those words. and It's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful prayer. And, and I hope you'll make that your prayer. And, and I, my prayer for you is that in these next couple of moments, that wherever you are, you'll just... Lean into God, right where you're sitting, if you're comfortable with that. If some of you want to just stand, maybe just to surrender yourself before the Lord right where you are, feel free to do that. If there are those of you who'd like to slip out and come to an altar and kneel before God, you can feel free to do that. Those of you who are watching from home, you can do the same thing right where you are. Sitting on your couch, sitting in your chair, you can kneel beside it or stand in front of it or just open your heart. But let this be the moment where we, where we lay down our pride. And we just confess, Lord, I can't be the man I want to be. I can't be the woman. I can't be the husband. I can't be the father. I can't begin to do what I need to do in my life without you. Lord, I need you. Make that your prayer while we sing, Rachel. And Father God, that is the the prayer of our heart today. And here, Lord, in this moment, we, we lay our pride down before you. and We pick up the promise of your word that says that when we abide in you and your word abides in us, that we, we can bear much fruit in our lives. We can do things we never dreamed of doing. We can be who we never thought we could be. We can overcome what we never thought we could overcome. In you, there is much power to be had. But we also confess that that promise says that apart from you, we can do nothing. Lord, you've heard the cry of the hearts of our people today. You know each person, Lord, who is reaching out to you, and you know the need of their life. You know where pride has slipped in. You know where some have drifted away. You know those of us, Lord, who are trying to be men or women or husbands or fathers. You know those of us who are trying to overcome addictions and habits, and we're trying to do all of that without your strength. And today we just surrender all of that before you. And we ask, Lord, that you would remove from our hearts the the pride that has held you at arm's distance. And we pray that you would open your arms of grace and mercy to us. That you would wrap your love around us, just like you did with Peter. Lord, how thankful we are that this fall that he had, this huge collapse that happened in his life, was not the end of his story because you picked him up and you dusted him off and you filled him anew with his spirit, your spirit. And he went on to do incredible things as he depended upon you. Lord, would you help us with that? There are some of us as men, Lord, that we need to lay down our pride. Some of us as moms, we need to lay down our pride. Some of us, Lord, who have things in our life that we just can't seem to get beyond. And We lay that down to say that only you can overcome. Lord, would you wrap those arms of love and mercy around us today, just like you did with Peter? Would you lift us up from our failures that we've made? Would you set us on a path that is one where we learn to hold tightly to your hand and believe that we can do 
everything through Christ who gives us the strength. It's in your precious name that we pray today. And everyone said, amen. Amen.